0: Straight Talk from Israel.
1: You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leor Mandel. I'll be joined with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. Do you ever wonder where do we go from here? Well, what do I mean? Where do we go from this world, from this lifetime? What happens? Where's life after life? What happens when this lifetime completes? Now, it's a question that some of us may wonder, some of us may very be very be, be uncomfortable with, but it is a reality that we're all here for a limited amount of time, and then we go somewhere else to the world to come, somewhere else. The Torah believes that uh, we don't just end here. There is somewhere else that we go, not maybe the way we know ourselves in this physical body, but this body isn't really who I am anyhow, who I am really is a soul, and the soul lives on. And it is continuing to live a life after this life, but what is that life? Where does it go? Is this something to look forward to, to be afraid of, to be sort of neutral about it just is. It is a very interesting question that, again, I think maybe because we're a bit uncomfortable with, we don't always explore, although some of us are very obsessed with exploring and trying to understand what happens when we're no longer here. Maybe, especially when one's lost a loved one, we may really want to be understanding this question as, where are they now? They're no longer here, but they still, the soul lives on. What does that mean? Where is it? Where does it go? What's the process? What happens? And that's what I'd like to um, talk about with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. This show is called Soul Talk, and I think it's a very appropriate topic if we're talking about the soul. The soul is what is eternal within all of us. It does know, can't live. It can't die. It is. It exists. It existed before I was born, as far as I understand. It will continue to exist when I am no longer the version of me that I am comfortable with, know, have come to recognize, and I'm still getting to know. <laughs> Right now in life's journey, we all have sort of are in this physical sense. We've spoken to the rabbi before in the past about how we're playing a certain role. We're playing a certain character. The soul isn't that role in character. But right now, this is the role I'm taking on. The me that I know and the body that I know with the personality traits and characteristics and challenges and talents and all the different pieces and parts that make me who I am. And I have a mission. There's something I am supposed to accomplish in this world, and it is important for me to be focused on it. But at the same time, okay, at some point the mission is over. My time is up. Uh, I have a certain amount of time. None of us quite know how much time that is that we have here to fulfill what it is we're meant to fulfill. And then what? Where do we go from here? And that is exactly what I'd like to address with Rabbi David Aaron after the break, Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi Aaron, as far as I understand it, this world that we live in, this body that I'm in, it's not the be all and end all. It's just a part of the big picture of what God has created and what me as a soul is all about. This is just part of the process, but it's what I know, this world, me in this world. And yet there's a whole world ahead. I, I think we're all afraid of thinking about life after death. That sounds very scary, but I recently heard the term life after life. And I thought that is much more of a way, a positive way of thinking about what the stage to come is. And I think sometimes we're so scared about what the unknown that many of us don't really stop to question, ask, understand what is life after life, what awaits us. And I was realizing it's probably important to know, and it probably the demystification of what life after life means might make it a bit of a less scary prospect because at some point we will all be in the next stage of our life.
0: Right. Well, so let's start a little bit about an understanding of what this world is before we leave it.
1: Ah, that's very <laughs> okay. important. Yes.
0: All right. Um, this world is uh, a perception, uh, not an illusion, but a perception. How do I know it's a perception? <clears throat> because if we were to uh, look at the world through a microscope, the world would look very different. <clears throat> so the color shapes. And the textures of the world is how the world appears to us, but isn't necessary the way reality actually is.
1: Mm.
0: And so um, it's, uh, it's a Zohar, actually. The Kabbalah teaches that it asks, why is it when a person dies, we have to close their eyes? It's a Jewish law to close the eyes of the deceased or to cover the eyes of the deceased. And that's because the Zohar says the shapes, the colors, and the texture of this world are in our eyes. So this world is a perception. And, um, and that's relative to where we're at. When we leave our bodies, we encounter reality no longer through our five senses. So we're going to see a new world or a new world perception It's kind of like kind of peeking into a palace through five keyholes, which is our five senses, and you know, how much can you really get of what's really inside, and so not that we are um, idolizing death and saying, let's get to it as soon as possible, that's not a Jewish attitude, but it's important to understand that this world is a perception, and uh, and it's almost like when a person dies, it's like, Waking up from a dream, uh, and um, you know, the, you're you're in a in a new world. You're in a new perception.
1: Hmm. Is that new perception this world, but a new perception of this world, or a totally different place?
0: Oh, this world is a perception. Ah. It's a new perception of reality. Reality, i.e., God, in our encounter with reality. In the state of mind that we're in right now, we perceive this world in the way we perceive this world. When we leave our bodies, we encounter reality and we will perceive a new world. Uh, The question is how will that perception feel? And that's called hell or heaven. You
1: know,
0: if my perception in this world, was uh that i'm my body and i'm my money and all that mattered to me was what everybody thought of me and i was looking for lots of fame and power and whatever uh and then when i leave my body uh i encounter a world perception where i realized that the way i handled my life was uh really uh diluted like if i really knew who i was then i wouldn't have treated people that way. So that will be hell. Hell is a realization that when I see reality through a a clearer perception, uh, how much that clear perception is going to match the way I handled my life in in this world. It's like uh, the metaphor often given is that when we leave this world, we find ourselves in a theater. Again, it's a metaphor. And, you know, we're intrigued. Well, you know, I don't remember buying tickets to this show, but you asked the guy next to you, excuse me, uh, what's the show? He said, well, it's actually a, a, a double feature. And I said, okay, fine. Well, the first movie comes up and it says how you lived your life starring you. And then the next feature film is how you could have lived your life starring you. And how well those two films match will determine whether your popcorn gets really boiling hot or not. <laughs> and so, you know, people think that hell and heaven are really perception are worlds that you go to. But the truth is that all worlds are a perception of reality, and uh, and and how you uh, react to or respond to this new perception will be really the indication of whether this is an experience of hell or heaven. Mm.
1: So I just have to ask you, because we keep talking about what reality really is, and it's just like playing with my mind here, because the irony is, is that what's real to us is what we can experience with our five senses. And as you're pointing out, the true reality is experienced without our five senses, and everything that we think of as real, so to speak, in this world is not what reality really is necessarily about.
0: No, it's our perception of reality. It's not bad. I mean, it's important to understand that colors are subjective. There, there's nothing objective about colors. And uh, if, if a tree falls in the forest, did it make a sound? The truth is it didn't make a sound. For there to make a sound when the tree falls, it generates vibrations. If those vibrations don't hit, hit somebody's eardrums, there is no sound. The sun is happening in our minds. A person can say, well, what if I recorded it? Same thing, the recorder is only recording the vibrations, but when you turn on the recorder, the vibrations coming out of the recorder has to hit somebody's eardrum. So so the colors and the sounds, I mean, according to uh, some scientists, when you walk out of your room, it disappears because it's really made of possibilities. And when your five senses encounter those possibilities, it 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 forms a perception in your mind but there's no way of proving that the room that you're in right now actually exists when you walk out of it because the colors and the shapes and the textures are really an interaction between your perception or your 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 faculties with reality and that co-creates the world and so the world is a subjective perception of an objective reality Mm. And, uh, now the question is how much does your subjective reality match up to the objective reality or how, I'm sorry, how much does your subjective perception match up and reflect, uh, the objective reality? Now it can't completely, it'll never exactly match up because it is subjective and it is relative to us, but, uh, it could be that our perception is really out of whack and, um, but when we leave this world, it means we leave our body and now we encounter reality not through the senses of our body.
1: Hmm. Even in this world, though, if you lined up 100 people and you said, What is this? and if it was a table, let's say, they'd most likely all say, A table. But if you had lined up 100 people and said, was this the right or wrong thing for me to say, everyone's going to have their opinion on it. So meaning there's certain aspects of this world that seem to be somewhat objective, because most people would agree this is the color red. This is a table. This is a chair. And then there's parts of the reality of this world that are very subjective, right, wrong. So but even the parts that seem so to speak, there's
0: there's no way of proving that you see red the way I see red.
1: Mm. Okay, and
0: so. But nonetheless, the fact that there is consistency in our subjective perception doesn't make it objective. It's just a consistent subjective perception.
1: Mm, meaning as we're all human beings experiencing the world with our five That's senses, right. we're taking in the same experience with the same perception because we're all in this state of being human beings taking in the world with five senses. But once that changes, everything might change.
0: Look, there's animals that hear sounds that you and I don't hear. So it it has to do with the construct of our our brains. Um, But uh, Albert Einstein said that time and space are really schemes of the mind, really schemes of our thinking and uh, the secrets of Judaism would agree with that doesn't say that it doesn't mean that time and space are not important it's just important to understand that they're not objective reality but subjective perceptions of an objective reality if we change our mind, we would change our find hmm. you know it has to do with uh how we perceive
1: in the sense as you're explaining this that the closest thing I can really sort of imagine is it's all as if almost this whole concept of virtual reality. You know, you wear those goggles, you put those glasses on. It seems so real, but it's, you're experiencing it through the lens of these lenses. And you can have five people wearing the same thing, taking in the same experience, but you take those lenses off and reality is so different. You think you're standing in Italy and in the end, you're standing in your family room when you're done, you think, right? And in a sense, maybe that's the experience we're all having here in this earth, it seems real because it is, but it's it's like the glasses are taken off when we're no longer limited by our bodies. What truly is reality will seem so different.
0: Yes, yes, it will. And so, um, so the way you live your life in this world of perception will determine how you will experience the next world perception, whether it'll be a positive, joyous, uh, affirming experience, or whether it be tremendously painful. It's actually a piece in the Talmud. And we'll talk about that in the next segment.
1: But it is very important to understand what you're saying about this world as you're saying Um, how it affects the world to come, because once we understand that our experience of the world to come is dependent on this world, it's very important to get clarity as you're explaining about the significance of being clear on how we're living our lives in this world. When you return, Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and
0: So join me, Steve Miller, and me, Matt Zucker, for a Lighting Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Soul Talk. Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, trying to get an understanding of life after life, what happens to us when we are no longer in this lifetime where we go next, but as Rabbi, you're pointing out, I see how significant it is to understand what this life is all about, and very much about perception. And right before the break, you're gonna share some insights from the Talmud on this topic.
0: The Talmud says in the future, God will take the sun out of its sheath, that the sun uh, has been the original sun, the light of the original sun was filtered and screened out and uh, the righteous will be uh, take; they'll bask in this new intensity of the light, whereby the evil will be overwhelmed and burnt by the light. And and what it's saying is that the truth, the objective truth, will be more subjectively uh, revealed. And Righteous people will find that new revelation really affirming and joyous and uplifting, whereby the evil will be burnt by it because it's so not what they expected and it's not at all the way they they live their life. So judgment is really self-afflicted. You know, when people think, well, God is going to judge me, He doesn't really have to judge you because you're you're gonna do it all well on your own. Because if you know it, it's a piece of the Talmud that says that the righteous, uh, when they leave their bodies, it's like hair being pulled out of cream. It's a very smooth transition. But the evil people, their soul leaves their body uh, like cotton being pulled out of thorn bush, which is very messy that has to do with that the evil people are clinging to this world because their whole sense of self is about their money and their power and their fame. And when they begin to get pulled out of this world, which they have so depended on in terms of their self-worth, that'll be a horribly, horribly painful experience whereby the righteous people they never looked for money and fame and power as the source of self-worth. But their source of self-worth was always in terms of how much I can serve God's purpose, which is to bring more good and love and peace into the world.
1: So many of us probably would fall in some in-between state where hopefully we're trying to seek a higher purpose and meaning and living our lives purposefully. But this world is very attractive and there's times where we get distracted and we aren't always living the higher cause and calling. Um, I mean, what you're sharing is actually important to remind us about the importance of living our lives with higher purpose and meaning. But what happens, you know, the transition out, we don't even know where we're going. No one's quite come back to tell us what's awaiting us. Um, So, you know, however we're living our lives here, if we fully understood the significance of what was to come based on the choices we're making now, it might help clarify, help us give more more direction in the choices we need to be making while we're here.
0: Well, that's why I'm very grateful to have Torah in my life uh, and believing that it's the word of God. I think there's enough evidence that makes that a reasonable uh, uh, approach. And uh, it's, uh, it's really about living a life that's aligned with, who we are and why we're here. When we live a life that is somewhat or very much or completely uh, out of whack with and, and in, in, in conflict with our real purpose, when that truth becomes revealed, that'll be extremely painful.
1: And then what happens? Meaning whether if we lived our lives according to the way that really let's say it's the best version movie the way we lived our lives was the movie that is the best version of who i could have become so then i move on i'm no longer in this body i'm my perception is of true reality and then i'm there do we know what happens once we're there even let's say the best of circumstances
0: right well so often people think that when we leave this world we go to a place called the world to come but really technically, that's a little bit of a misunderstanding. Uh, we actually go to what's called Gan Eden, technically, which is a, a, a world of pure soul, no body. And we wait in that world of pure soul until a period of time called Tchia the revival of the dead. And we come back. And to this world, but not, not in the same way we were before. We, we re-enter, we reunite with our body. And, um, you know, but some people, they don't go to Gan Eden when they die. They go to a world perception of Gehenna, which is hell. But the good news uh, is that we don't believe that a person gets eternal hell but rather they uh, could get, uh, it would never be, uh, it would always be less than a year to be in that state of hell. And then they go to Ghanaian and they wait their time until they come back to their bodies. The some people, they can't even get to Gehenna or what would be called hell, which is again, temporary. And they end up staying in this world, called reincarnation. And that's another scenario that the soul comes back and uh, encounters reality through a different body, a different character. Um, And then the worst of the worst is a person that leaves their body but cannot get into uh, the higher world because they are so so entrenched in their physical desires and according to our tradition these are souls that have no body and trapped in this world and it's extremely extremely painful to be in this world but not really be in this world because you don't have a body and those souls try to find a body to inhabit which is called the Dibuk which maybe some of our listeners have heard of the book, which means that a person has become possessed by another soul. There's actually a famous story a number of years ago about a woman in Nativod down south. She would faint and a man's voice would come out of her mouth. And uh, they took her, it was, it was in the news. It was in like secular news. And they took her to one of the great Kabbalists in Israel. And he performed what most people don't think is Jewish, but actually is also Jewish. I don't know uh, if it's the same, but the idea called exorcism. And basically this Kabbalist said that it was her husband that possessed her body. Her husband had died and he possessed her body and the kabbalist uh shooed him away (laughs) i don't know how to describe it he performed an exorcism and he released her from being uh controlled by her husband's (laughs) yeah pretty, pretty pretty wild stuff
1: is that something that's common, though, <laughs> because I feel like there probably are, unfortunately, many people, if we think of the world at large, who are very into their physical desires, needs, haven't controlled themselves. But it's not I've heard of these kinds of stories, but they almost sound like they're more few and far between that they happen. But you'd almost imagine for the amount of people out there that unfortunately- when, when they
0: do happen, these people are often put into insane asylums. So I don't know if they ever get to the opportunity of some kind of exorcism, but. Yeah, Uh, you know, these are the choices. When a person leaves this world, they either go to Olam, either they go to Gan Eden or they go to Gehenem or they come back or they get trapped between two
1: worlds. Is it common? Yeah. Reincarnation. Do we know like how common some of these things are like also reincarnation? Are most people would be are we reincarnated souls or new souls or how, how do we know? Or we just know the concept exists, but don't have a sense of how it works and how much it happens.
0: Uh, most souls are old souls. The Arizal, of Isaac Luria, the great Kabbalist, said that in the times of Messiah, there will be new souls but what he meant was that these souls, which are a spark of Adam and Eve, have not been on this planet since Adam and Eve. So technically there's nobody who's a new soul, uh, but could be, could be that we've been in a couple of bodies <laughs> over a number of lifetimes. And, uh, or we're new in that, we were uh, a part of Adam soul, the boys, and part of Steve soul, the girls. And this is the first time we've come back um, to our, our bodies. That's what I've read. Um, but yeah, the idea of reincarnation, there's a, a, an entire book dedicated to it by, from the teachings of the great Arizal, of Isaac Luria goes into the details of uh of uh, what could happen and why um i learned it many years ago i don't i mean i learned it in, in a previous life but i don't remember what I, i'm just joking mm-hmm. but um i don't i don't know i don't remember the details of it but yeah it's not like it's not an idea that's foreign to judaism
1: and do you have a sense do we carry almost in a subconscious things that happened in earlier in your life? Does that possibly explain maybe certain deeper um, anxieties yes. that we may be carrying around with us, things like that?
0: Yes. I personally am not a fan of, you know, past life regression stuff. Um, there is a story where the Arizo uh, one day told all his close students who they were in previous lives and why they're together in this life as his group of students. But um, uh, I, I, you know, if if Arizel would tell me who I was in a previous life, okay. But I wouldn't trust anybody else mm. telling me who I was in my previous life.
1: Well, when we return, uh, Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel.
0: Are you tired of political correctness and the fear that you might offend someone?
1: I'm not afraid to offend you.
0: Wow, look who's talking tough.
1: One well, has to be tough to keep sane today.
0: Hi, I'm Alan Skorsky.
1: And I'm Baila Seabrow.
0: And join us every Wednesday for The Definitive Wrap as we interview the most sought-after guests and expose progressive trends that masquerade as enlightenment, but actually destroy our freedoms.
1: We are the No Wolf Zone, so buckle up for this exciting show. Buckling up,
0: but I'm driving.
1: (laughs) Sure, you can drive, but I'm the navigator. Tune
0: in for the No Nonsense, the definitive rap show, every Wednesday on Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome back to Soul Talk. Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron talking about life after life. And now I'm not so sure how I feel about life after life, because on the one hand, if uh, I'm doing all the right things, then hopefully, I'm, I'm, you know, I can have what to look forward to when the limited perceptions that give me a limited perception of what reality really is will be lifted. It will be very interesting to see what true reality is all about. On the other hand, I don't know, I'm not saying I'm a wicked person by any means, but I don't know if I have I hope I look I hope I have many more years to live my life, improve, do more good, improve myself and become the better version and see the better version of my movie, but on the other hand I we don't quite know what it is that we're going to. Should we be afraid so to speak about life after life if maybe we have not been the most righteous person?
0: Well, I don't think we should think that much about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, it's not mentioned in the five books of Moses. There's no mention of an afterlife in the five books of Moses although there is much mention of it in the oral tradition. And uh, that is an interesting question. Why is there no mention of it in the five books of Moses? And one of the answers is, is this is not something we should be preoccupying ourselves. We should be focusing on who we are and what we need to do in this world. And when we get to the next world, we'll deal with it. But um, but some people and some religions are very much into be good so you'll get a good afterlife. And that is not the Jewish attitude. The Jewish attitude is be good so you have a good this life. And uh, we, we are not um, living this life in order to die. We're living this life in order to live this life. And so that's why there's no mention. There are hints to it, but only because there's an oral tradition behind it that we would see the hints, but otherwise without oral tradition, there'd be no reason to think that there's any world after this world. And uh, again, I completely accept the old tradition, but the point being, why does the Torah not say something about an afterlife? In fact, in the Torah, it talks about what are the consequences of living a, uh, a, a life of commandments. And it says that uh, if you listen to my commandments, then rain will come in its time and, and the cows will, your, 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 your fields will produce and your cows will eat. I mean wow, that's pretty depressing. I'm, I'm celebrating Shabbat weekly and my cows are are, are cashing in. <laughs> I mean, like what happened to all World to Come stuff? And what it's telling us is that when you live a life that is aligned with the will of God, then this world perception will be a, a perception that is you harmonious and synchronized. And we won't see chaos because we're mm-hmm. tuned in. You know, I've used this metaphor before. It's like we're radios and the song is playing. And if you're really tuned into it, then then the song will enter into your perceptual world. And if you're a little bit tuned into it, then a little bit of the song and a little bit of the static noise is going to enter into your perceptual world. And if you're completely not in aligned with the song, you're just going to hear noise and you'll be in a world of chaos. So the, the world that we live in, which is a perception of reality, deter, d- d- depending on how tuned in we are to reality with our perceptions, will determine if the world of our perception will be a world of chaos, uh, pandemics, you know, things like that, or, um, or things are just gonna go smoothly and, and uh, things will be, uh, we'll hear the music.
1: Hmm. You know, it is interesting So on the one hand, I see the point and it is very interesting as you're pointing out that the Torah itself doesn't talk about this concept of a world to come because we're supposed to focus on how we live our lives in this world. On the other hand, I fully appreciate that you started the question of what's life after life. You said, well, we need to start about what this world is all about because it makes me realize that if we're not focused, there is a point to noticing knowing there's a world to come because it might affect the way I live my life in this world, realizing that this isn't the be all and end all. Um, and if I don't have an understanding that there is a world to come, I may not make the choices I should be making in this world. So I do also at the same time see its significance.
0: Right. But, but we really shouldn't be motivated by a life after death. We should be motivated about living a life that is the best life we could live now. And Judaism is, is, is telling us that what it's requiring of us is not a sacrifice of the best life. And that's where people get, I think, confused. They are concerned that the restrictions of uh, Torah law is in some way a sacrifice of what I could be getting out of this world. And Judaism is saying, no, it's not, it's not like, think about, well, it's worth sacrificing this world in order to get the next world. No, that's not the attitude. Nobody's asking you to sacrifice this world. And if there are certain pleasures that you think is a sacrifice, then you're making a mistake because those are not the best; those are not the highest pleasures waiting for you to to enjoy in this world.
1: Hmm. The other thing I'm thinking. Let's take something simple like keeping kosher. If I live in a place where kosher comes easy, then it's not really that big of a deal. I live in Israel, not that big of a deal to make sure I keep a kosher kitchen, but let's say I live in a place where it's challenging and it would be much easier for me to just get what food is available. I feel like I have to sacrifice lots of foods because they're not kosher. So meaning if I'm only living based on feeling this, is the right way to live my life now. And I benefit from it. Even now, there are times where if I don't benefit from it, I am still not supposed to give it up. And maybe what would keep me motivated is realizing it's not just about this world. There's a whole, you know, my soul is going to be affected in the world to come. That's for eternity. Therefore, even if at the moment, this is actually not feeling comfortable, I'm still going to stick to my guns and this principle because my soul is eternal. And I believe this has an eternal effect on my soul, not just the here and now.
0: All right, so I want to distinguish between a sacrifice and paying a price. Okay, when you when when you want to buy a refrigerator and you need a refrigerator and you go to the store and it costs five hundred dollars, you don't feel you're sacrificing five hundred dollars to get the refrigerator. Hmm. You're willing to give five hundred dollars because you know you're going to get something that's more valuable to you than the money, which is the the refrigerator. So too. Uh, a person who lives in an, an environment where getting the kosher food is more challenging will cash in on it being a lot more meaningful because I was willing to pay that price because I knew that, you know, the, living according to kosher is aligning my will with God and aligning myself with the, with the, uh, the, with the Jewish community that, that eats this way. So uh, there's a, there is a there is a payoff, but there is a price for the payoff. Mm.
1: So let me ask you another question, too, because I'm trying to put my mind in this. I, I, I do see, again, many things. There's the payoff, but let's say giving charity. Um, I now have less money in my pocket. So what did I benefit? On the other hand, it feels good to help somebody else. On the other hand, if I think, okay, there's this concept of the only money I really have for eternity is the money I've given away. All this other money isn't really something I can, so to speak, send forward, whatever that means. Maybe that's even more motivating to me um, that I think of the eternality that now this money takes on because I just gave it away to charity, as opposed to at the moment, maybe it doesn't feel so good that it's not in my pocket anymore. I could have used it for something else. But sometimes that sense of eternity, the world to come, it's not just about the here and now is a bigger motivating factor.
0: Yeah, but I don't think it should be. I I think we should. I think we should learn to value doing good for the sake of doing good rather than always be a businessman that I'm trying to buy myself a piece of the next world. Mm. That's really the higher motive of Judaism is trying to teach us. It, It should be about you know there there's a teaching that har mitzvah mitzvah the reward of the mitzvah of the commandment living the commandment is the commandment itself you know like the reward of telling your spouse i love you is the joy of expressing your connection with your spouse if you say to your spouse i love you because you're hoping somehow that will get you something in the future well then that's not love you know that's not a, an honest relationship. It's a business relationship that I'm saying and doing things now because I want to get something later, but I shouldn't be doing and saying things now to get something later. I should be doing it because it's the right thing to be doing now, and it reflects something that's very real now, and uh, and and that's what I'm 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 doing. So that's why I think we don't want to. Again, I'm not saying there isn't some value of of knowing that there's a world to come. Obviously, there is, because there's a rich tradition of it in the oral tradition, but not having it in the written, in the oral tradition, but not having it in the written tradition is to remind us not to get fixated on the life after this world. You know, a lot of other religions uh, are very much fixated on issues relating to death. That's why a Kohen, I'm a Kohen priest, we're not allowed to go to cemeteries. I mean, if we're if we're uh, about eight feet away from a grave, we're allowed to be there, but we're not allowed to be close to a grave, and that's because you know Judaism wants the spiritual leaders to be a uh, a, a role model of pro life, and and not so into death. Hmm. So, right we. Um, Yes, we talk about life after life, but really we should focus on life before that. You know, life before
1: death, which is now. So then, even though you're explaining that really this world is just a perception, and there's a part of me that thinks, okay, well, right, nice right, one day. you say
0: thus, yeah. I, I just want to delete the just. Ah, okay,
1: <laughs> okay, just a like-
0: perception diminishes it. It's not a diminishment. Ah. It's a fact. You know, the colors you see are perceptions. They're not just a perception. Mm.
1: So life is a perception. And yet at the same time, we're not in a rush to have the reveal, to lose our senses and see reality as it truly is. It's, it's interesting. It reminds me that sometimes I'll have a question and I realize there isn't going to be an answer. And then I realize, you know what, I'm not in a rush because one day I will know the answer when I'm no longer limited by, as we're pointing out, the senses that we experience through this world. But our job, as you're pointing out, and it is a good focus, is to remember, yes, it does exist. Know about that, but put it in the back of your mind and live your life in the here and now in the way we're supposed to be living our lives To the highest ability, one day there will be a video. I'd like to be glad at what I see of how I live my life. But in the meantime, my focus really needs to be on the here and now, focusing on being the best that I can be. I want to thank you all for joining us Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron, and Leora Mandel.
0: If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio go now to follow us on facebook just look for the israel news talk radio facebook page and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button we post great stuff there that you'll want to share israel news talk radio on
1: facebook and israel news radio on twitter if you're hearing this message everyone else can too advertise with israel news talk radio and get your message out to people We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
0: Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel.
1: Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Baspar, I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Wow Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Adumim, just north of Jerusalem.
0: I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Da
1: from Malerjumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.